Welcome to Q&A, a deeper dive with Sam Holm and other guests as we dig deeper into the sermon content each week. And we are glad you are joining us again. I'm Mark Presley, and I'm sitting here with Pastor Sam Holm. And uh, this past week, we were looking at, uh, we really looked primarily into Mark 6, the feeding of the 4,000. 5,000. 5,000. And I apologize (laughs) for getting confused because in Mark 8, he feeds 4,000. That's right. And this is actually the passage. It's, and you talked about this in your sermon, that it's actually in all four Gospels, a feeding of 5,000, 4,000, 5,000. So in this episode, if I, if I mess that up, just please forgive me because I'm, I'm a little confused on my numbers, even though my name is Mark and we're in the Gospel of Mark and all that. But as long as you correct me, because I'm sure I'll say stuff wrong at the same time. True. So. And we've even, uh, a little behind the scenes, because I always like to include that, we have started a new way for Sam to kind of prep his sermon, and he has a little team that we're actually not a week ahead, but kind of 10 days ahead looking at stuff. So I told him last week with the podcast, with the current sermon, with that, I don't know how he's doing it because he's basically working on three sermons all at the same time, delivering one, studying up for one, and then also uh, recapping one, and then we're a week ahead too. So my brain is a little bit... And Mark is the one that helps us think creatively. He was the lunchbox uh, idea this last week and got Ashley Kennedy to put that together for us in the, the service. Which It was, cool. and, and when I gave it to you, it seemed to have Kool-Aid and a bunch of food in it, and that all disappeared, so I think you ate it before the sermon. So I didn't find out till that night from Ashley's husband that that was actually fake food. It's actually behind you. I'm going to give it to you when we're done. But it was... Y- y'all put food in the lunchbox, but because I'm, I'm doing the Daniel fast with our family, actually, I was like, well, what am I going to do with this? Like, I, I took it out of the lunchbox, put it in my desk, and then after I put it back in there to give it back to you, and then I find out y'all had put fake food so it wouldn't go bad yeah. in the lunchbox. I was I was going to accuse you of eating that. I didn't even know it was fake. I Because I, Eli, um, my second son, helped deliver it to your house, and he was bugging me the whole way from Ashley's house, who lives farther away. Can I just drink the Kool-Aid? Can I (laughs) drink the Kool-Aid? That would be a fun phrase to use for something. But anyways, we're way off. I gave you behind-the-scenes sermon application, all that. This past week, like I said, he was talking about the feeding of the 5,000. We also looked at Mark 8. Um, And normally at this time, we're all in this episode, we're going to look at that. I hope to get to kind of some fasting stuff, because the uh, question came in about... um, what does it mean to fast? You just talked about that a little bit. And then also we want to look at multiply because we're in the middle of that and a- answer some questions that you might have that are listening to that. But before we get going, remember to like, subscribe, as I added last week, review and rate it. Also, if you're listening on Spotify or one of the others that lets you review that. And then if you do have a question, we love to get those in. Text the word question 96123. That might be about this past week's sermon, it might be something you want us to dig a little deeper on this podcast, and it might be about multiply. Mm-hmm. Um, Sam and I love to kind of battle it out. If it's not a competition, I would win if it was, but I like to battle that out. But um, talk about those. That's question 96123. And again, if you want to listen to the sermons, that's firstmckinney.com slash on demand. You can get any of those sermons. And then anything about multiply or the fasting stuff, is also on our Multiply. We kind of have a mini site out there, but you can get to it through firstmckinney.com slash multiply. And I was talking really fast through all that, but I'll let you go really fast and recap what we talked about this week on Sunday mornings. 
So we saw Jesus feed 5,000 people with five loaves and two fish, and afterwards they took up 12 basketfuls of bread and fish. And so as we walk through it, uh, in both the feeding of the 5,000 and the feeding of the 4,000 in Mark 8 and Mark 6, uh, we see that Jesus had compassion on the crowd. He saw the needs just like he sees our needs. He then takes and breaks the bread, and through breaking the bread, he multiplies the bread. Uh, at one point, he says, divides the fish, but while he's dividing the fish, he's actually multiplying the fish. And then he feeds them to the point where they're satisfied, their, their need is fully met, and they're content, and then there's this leftover. And so in my life, so often, and as we have a conversation around this Multiply Project, and we're, we're challenging ourselves to pray over giving above and beyond, I so often want to hold back just so I can make sure I provide for you know my family. And it was really neat for me to study this week that Jesus is the need meter, right? And I think that's the big point that he's trying to get his disciples to get. And that's the theme, really. He brings it up again with them after he walks on water that he wanted to make sure they understood what he was doing with loaf and the fish after feeding the 4,000 in chapter 8. He has another conversation with them in the boat where they're arguing about they only didn't bring enough bread. And he's like, do you still not get it, right? Jesus is saying, I am the need meter. And I don't know where you are in your needs in your life, but you need to know Jesus is the need meter. He's the Messiah, like he is the Son of God. He lived a perfect life in our place, died for us. Um, so he's the need meter. It doesn't mean that all of our needs are going to be met. He doesn't do that all the time. I mean, the, the, the story right before this one is when John the Baptist is beheaded. Right? You want to talk about a need not being met. I mean, it's almost the other way around. But there's story after story of the fact that God does meet our deepest needs. And John the Baptist's deepest need is actually fully met, too. Paul at one point says, live as Christ to die as gain. If you actually look at, on the holistic sense, actually what happened in that story was actually his need being met on a deeper level. And then we then uh, we said, okay, well, let's let's look at what did the disciples, if, if we're disciples of Christ, have to do with any of this? Well, God worked through them. Uh, Jesus meets needs through those who trust and obey him. Uh, they trusted him when he said, okay, go find f- food. And they went and found, well, we've got five loaves and four. Okay, then they bread it and broke it up and he gave, said, okay, I want you to take it to the crowd. And they trusted and obeyed him. They took it. I can't imagine what that moment was like. You know, just walking around with the, Surely they didn't have 5,000 people's worth of food in their hands while they were walking. My name's not Shirley, by the way. There you go. <laughs> but they did, and God met needs through through them. And so uh, we use that then to to look at our opportunity right now, a uh, unique time in our church. And if you're listening to this podcast, you're not part of our church, we're talking with our church about a unique opportunity right now for us to be part of the future of our church as we seek to multiply disciples through relationships, multiply churches. That's our vision for growth here, not to get bigger here, but to actually plant churches and then to multiply through. Actually, we have to steward and fix our youth facility right now. is literally rotting, a 50-year-old building with a, a chiller that's now, uh, it's a 15-year life expectancy, 29 years old. So, we, we, we believe that Jesus can meet needs through, through us right now if we trust and obey him. And, and it's hard to, to give a gift sacrificially, but knowing he's the need meter helps, right? And uh, digging right in and, and going Good. a little deeper, the first this uh, passage talks about Jesus having compassion. And, and when we first started this podcast before we went on the air, you 
you were kind of pushing back on that. So talk a little bit about compassion yeah. and, uh, and how we might even become more compassionate. Yeah, so one of the questions I'm going to read, uh, this passage is about Jesus feeding and being compassionate towards the crowds. How can you become a more compassionate person? Awesome question. Uh, I would say I don't think the passage is just about Jesus being compassionate toward the crowds. I think he's trying to teach the disciples. The focus, as you read Mark 6, 7, and 8, is on this dialogue he's having with the disciples. He wants the disciples to know not, not just that I can do this food, but I am the Messiah. He wants them to know he's the need meter. But Jesus, obviously, as we live and love like Jesus, uh, we want to love like Jesus loves, and we want to live like Jesus lived. And he did have compassion, which is this unique word in the New Testament. It's this uh, felt need, but not just feeling sorry for someone. It's a felt need that responds with a deed. It's, it moves into action, uh, similar to the word heed in the Old Testament or hear. When he says hear, it's not just hearing something. It's doing something in response to what you're hearing. This is doing something in response to the feeling that you have. And so the, the question, uh, how, how, how can you become a more compassionate person? I would say, hey, if you're a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit will prompt in you a feeling sometimes where you see someone's need. I would say respond to that. Uh, in my life group this week, there was a book called 10 Second Rule that came out years ago that I loved. When you feel the Spirit's prompting to respond to someone in compassion, do it. Don't wait, right? Sometimes I think we talk ourselves out of it, uh, and we, we, we justify why we don't, right? We don't, we don't sacrifice. We don't give a sacrificial gift because we're afraid. So, uh, yeah, when the Spirit prompts you, do it. My 10-second rule is when the food falls on the ground, I have 10 seconds oh, to, that's, to get it. I thought it was a five-second rule. <laughs> well, it, in my world, it might be 10 seconds. Okay. <laughs> it depends on how dirty the floor is. Oh, there you go. But, uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> kind of along that fun type thing, I thought it, it might be fun to find out. Uh, just a hypothetical. They had bread and fish, uh, and this mentioned again in all four Gospels. If you had Jesus, hypothetical for you, Sam, if Jesus could take one food and multiply it and you eat that out there, what would that be for you? So my oatmeal probably. Well, right now because I'm doing the the Daniel fast, I'm not trying to. to well, let's say it's no Daniel fast. No, I'll, Daniel? I'll, I'll, no okay. rules. You eat so, whatever. You're not going to gain weight either. So ice cream. Rocky Mountain Road Bluebell, which they no longer make anymore, is my, my favorite taste. Rocky uh, Mountain Road or Rocky Road? I thought it was just Rocky Road. No, so the Bluebell's not making it right now, but they did for several years, and then they had the you know the great Bluebell fast, which they self-inflicted because they did something terrible. But uh, yes, it is very, very, very good, and I think in heaven it will be healthy. So, So if you were there on that mountainside, Jesus is teaching— the little boy brought up it'd be it, somehow the ice cream would stay and Jesus held it up and he'd multiply the ice cream <laughs> and we'd have 12 bluebell how many how many baskets were left in this what well, the Seven, baskets so 12. this would be like not baskets it'd be like uh, barrels i guess barrels of <laughs> of ice cream left at the this and for me shaking, said how are we digging deeper with this well that is what, people what is, are getting to okay, know you people, okay. people want to know the real sam home okay so what is it for you uh, i would say pizza Pizza. pizza, yes. What yeah, kind? Pizza. What from what place? Oh, well, it depends. I'm a thin crust pizza guy, so kind of a New York style pizza and Cadillac pizza right downtown. Don't want to. They don't sponsor us. But isn't that our staff lunch today? Is is Cadillac? Yeah, possibly. But okay. I, I'm going. You can pray for my mom. I'm actually going to oh, her surgery. surgery She's yes. having hip surgery. Prayed with her with Randy this morning yes. for her and Randy. You'll all be listening to this after the hip surgery, so it, wow. it all probably all goes well and we're good. It's her second hip. Well. 
Yeah. She's had one hip surgery. This is the other hip. However you say that correctly. I I mean this. We do care about that. And you know this. You know, Randy was... Anyway, let's keep going. Good question. We're way off. But um, back to the the feeding here. Um, When... Well, I I was going to say, I'll just read the question. When have you consciously trusted the Lord for food or another essential of life? And and what did it feel like to trust? So in complete honesty in response to this question, I am so thankful that in my life I've never had to fear that I wasn't going to eat the next meal. Uh, my, My parents were not wealthy, but they had a consistent job. Uh, my dad raised a six in in the home, and uh, they lived on camp property and not making a ton of money. But we always had food, right? In my house, in my life, there have been times where God has stretched me related to giving, where I had to trust him with some other things, but never to the point where I didn't know I was going to eat. Um, so... When you would trust the Lord to feel uh, for an essential in life, uh, one of the things early in our marriage that I remember very clearly is uh, that iPhones had come out. Uh, We didn't have enough money to get an iPhone. Uh, Rebecca and I had prayed over investing in something, and we felt like God was leading us to invest. And she was like, I really, really want an iPhone. And, uh, and I was like, I understand that. And so what do you think we need to do? And she, she, she said, no, I think we need to, to give this, um, but I remember she then, and she, you, you know my wife, so this mm-hmm. is, may super shock you. Uh, she was uh, invited to speak at a conference, and, wow. uh, and, and that's not her favorite thing. Uh, but she agreed to do it, and she used the money to buy an iPhone because she had already given the money. But it was such a, we went, we st- uh, this is little Columbus, Texas, before Walmart opened, we had called them next day. When do you expect to get iPhones in? They didn't have any in, and they said we should we expect a shipment. Anyway, I remember sitting outside the door with her before, and she was talking about how how thankful one that we had been faithful to God and made that that gift, but then how God had followed that up as we had trusted with an opportunity for her to still. So not food, iPhones, not even close to food, right? But her trusting God was something she really desired, uh, and making a sacrificial gift. And I think. Everyone listening has that that moment if they've been a follower of Christ, where it might be the high school student that's praying about um, a test they may not have studied for, but uh, yes, and they're trusting yeah. whatever. And all joking aside, it's 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 more some of those needs we have, and you know, if we lived in a different place, were raised differently, those needs might look a little bit different. But I think we all. Um, if we're followers of Jesus, have come to that point, and if we haven't, you will, mm-hmm. where you do have to trust him for something. And it may, you know, one person's big trust is another person's way big trust on something like that. But I, I do think the person asking that, I think that's, that's you gave a story, but it, it is about that, I feel. Um, it may not be about food. It's hard. There are people hungry in America, in, in, McKinney, McKinney, in McKinney, and all that, but... Most people listening to this, you're probably listening on an iPhone or something like that, and no, you're not. You're starving for the next meal, but you're truly not starving. Uh, you're like my kids that say, "I'm starving, I'm starving." When no, you you just had some chips out of the pantry, so you're good for now. But but yeah, okay. Um, and I found this interesting in all of the kind of uh, gospels when he talks about this. There's something left over. Yep. Tell us why you feel there was stuff left over. 
First, I don't know. Uh, it doesn't tell us. But Jesus does bring it up again in chapter 8, after feeding the 4,000, which they took up seven. First was 12, which is a perfect number. There was 12 disciples. One of the commentaries I read this last week said maybe it was to make a point to the disciples, look, each one of you can have a whole basket now full of leftover food. Uh, but seven in the feeding of the 4,000 was another perfect number in Scripture. So he brings it up when they're arguing in the boat in chapter fourteen, uh, chapter 8 and verse 14 on about only having one loaf of bread, and he's like, do you still not get it, right? Like, Remember, there was all this left over. So I do think it points back to Jesus wanting us to see that he is the need meter, like above and beyond what we could even think we need, he can provide. Like the cattle on a thousand hills are his. So we we can trust knowing that there's a God that not only can provide what we think we need, but more than we think we need. And I think it's awesome that it was an exact number. In mm. other words, it was that symbolic 12, 7, um, all those. Because it would be an incredible miracle if it was to the to the person just enough food. But it, even more, it was just enough food plus yep. to a number. You know, so mm -hmm. pretty amazing. I want to transition because we did get this question when I talked about it at the intro, kind of fasting. Mm -hmm. um, spend a little bit of time, just open any question, talk about fasting. Again, if you want some resources, he's mentioned the Daniel fast several times. Mm -hmm. um, there are other specific fasts. You can, you can media fast, all those kind of different ways. I just want to leave it open because uh, the person wrote in and said, basically, I don't have the question right in front of me, but what is fasting? and right. kind of talk through that a little bit. Um, and if you want info, resources about the different kinds of fasts, Daniel fasts, I said this earlier, but firstmckinney.com slash multiply, which is also kind of our initiative, but there's a part in there about fasting. Mm -hmm. And we are fasting. We started last Thursday in the middle of the ice storm here in McKinney. Mm -hmm. um, and we will go through to the 22nd, which is Ash Wednesday. Mm -hmm. um, and, and kind of, you would normally start Lent there, so uh, uh, you could do two fasts back-to-back of some sort. But talk, talk a little bit about fasting. I'm ashamed to say that fasting didn't become a big part of my faith until recently. Uh, when I say recently, there would be times. Uh, one of the big moments in my faith was praying over who God would want me to marry. And I had I'd met Rebecca, and I wanted to get married to Rebecca, but I was so afraid I was going to make a decision that wasn't in God's will and His plan. And, and I've had these times in my life, and I had a friend ask me, have you prayed about it? I was like, oh, I pray about it every day. And he said, have you fasted over it? I was like, no. <laughs> and well, why don't you fast over it? And so God used a season where I got away, prayed and fasted, to give over and above very clear answer to the question I was asking and gave me not only the blessing, but affirmation to marry my wife. And that's proven to be true for me. Uh, so there's there's been seasons in the past that have been driven by fast that are just because I need to make a decision uh, uh, on moving to from camp to be the teaching pastor at Park Cities, moving from Park Cities to come here. And there was a, a late wrench that was thrown in it. For, for And I was like, what, Lord, do you want from us? 
So fasting has helped me with making decisions in, in huge ways. Provides that clarity almost. Yes. Uh, and then I also, though, see in Scripture that there's there's often regular fasts. Uh, there's there's corporate fasts. Multiple times in the Old Testament we see that people were called to fast, like we've called the church to fast for a specific reason. Um, but I was challenged through a, a man who has had a significant impact on my life to to schedule, and we invite the church to do this with us on the first Wednesday of the month, uh, to not just put it in when we have to make a decision, but to put it into prompt uh, prayer. So uh, here, here's two reasons I would say that that I think Scripture calls us to fast. Um, first reason uh, I think that call uh, that Scripture calls us to fast is it prompts you and actually gives you time. It's amazing how much time I spend thinking about what I'm going to eat and even eating and then thinking about what should I have dessert and whatever. Like it, it gives the time, but it also, through the, the hunger pains, prompts me to use that to drive prayer. To When I feel that or need that or want that, no, I'm going I'm to use that to go to what really does provide more for me, Jesus, the need meter, to go to him in prayer. So I think it's it's that two second thing and and leads into next Sunday honestly. And I don't know if if you're trying to get there by asking this question next. But as we continue in Mark chapter 8 this week, Jesus is going to ask the disciples who do people say that I am? Peter's going to confess he's Christ and he says, "Yeah, because I'm Christ." You know what that means? I'm going to go to the cross and I'm going to die. And, uh, and Peter tries to correct them, you know, this dialogue, you know, get behind me, Satan, you're a stumbling block, your mindset on the not things of God, but the things of man. And there's this, this difference that happens in our lives when we have our mindset on what our flesh desires versus on what God desires, right? And so he goes on to say, if you want to come after me, you must deny yourself. And this is a lot of what fasting becomes. You're denying what your body wants, Take up your cross. You're dying to your selfish desires to follow me. And so I think it's it's almost, and it has been uh, for me, it's something that carries over into other aspects of life while I'm doing it. While I'm asking the question, who do you want me to marry? The, okay, what in me is like, yes, I really want to marry this girl. It's, it's pushing me to die to my desires to really put on the table, okay, God, I genuinely right now I'm saying I want right now what you want more than what I want. Uh, put it on the table, no pun intended. So so that's what we're doing when we fast. And we do think, uh, and it's proven true throughout history, and many, many people that love Jesus much more than me and have walked with him closer have said, hey, fasting is something God wants for you. It's a it's a wonderful, beautiful thing. It's not a punishment. No, it's not a punishment. It's a, it's a gift, and it does help clarify and give direction. So, as we ask the church right now to have a personal encounter with God, another one of the questions was, uh, and I'll read it. And it's specifically about multiply, multiply. And, and one of the the two things you've asked, well, you listed three, but one of them is. Yeah have a personal encounter with God. So yeah. read the question. Yeah. When when you have a when you say have a personal encounter with God around my giving, what would that even look like? When we have, have said pray and obey to the church like we had used with our leaders, we want you to have a personal encounter with God as it relates to your giving. And so here's here's what I think it looks like. In fact, I'm going to read another one of the questions here because I think if you're married it should include your spouse. Uh, and another one of the questions, how should I or my spouse and I go about this having a personal encounter. 
So here's here's what I think it is. I think you have to get to the point where you're really you're really saying, God, I'm going to do not what I want to do, but I'm going to do what you want me to do. And so fasting again helps with that. You're taking a very tangible, physical, right now step to say, I'm going to deny what I desire to ask you to show me what you desire, right? So you do that and you go to him and you seek his guidance. You don't do it apart. Like in the video last week, I thought what Grant said was beautiful. And in the video we showed in the church, he said, I don't follow God stupidly, right? Uh, if, if, if your income right now is 20000 I doubt God's going to call you to to start giving to the church 90000 because you, you don't have that unless maybe you've got a trust, I don't, whatever. You don't follow God stupidly, right? It's not a part, but you follow God trusting him and saying, God, I believe what you want is actually better than, than what I want. There was a story shared uh, this last week. You mentioned uh, when you showed me this question, this story, but we had a, a couple after uh, a gathering to say, hey, we, we were in a church because you've been in churches. You've probably been through somewhat seasons that look like what we're walking through right now where the pastor said, hey, I want to invite the spouse to do this with God separate from your spouse first and and to ask God, what do you feel like God you're leading us to? And then come together and so that you really have the opportunity to listen to God before your spouse even, right? And they said when they came together, they hadn't even really talked about how they were going to come up with that number. One had come up with a percentage number. One had come up with a round dollar number. But when they finished, figured out the percentage number, it was the same as that round dollar number and how cool that was for them. Which is funny because that's marriage. Is one person sees it one way and little little subtle <laughs> there that one person sees it as percentage and one person sees but it's the same but God uses both those people to come to the That's right. The same yeah. same place. Yeah. In our in our marriage, uh, when we were having this conversation around the, the gift and praying, uh, I brought the my dollar I thought too soon. And uh, then we needed to bring in actually an outside person to help us because, uh, and it was so good because then actually what ended up happening is we realized we both were thinking and believing kind of the same thing. Um, we we're just approaching it from different different angles. Communication. It's a great thing in marriage. Yeah, that's a really a great good. thing. Yeah. I always say, uh, not related to this at all, but yet it is, it maps Melissa likes the turn by turn directions mm -hmm. and no, I like the overview, like show me the go where I'm going and I'll, I'll figure out how I get, but she'll do turn by turn. And we end up in the, the same place, just different ways to, yeah. to get there. It's so, good. Really yeah. good. Anyways, I got us off. So sorry about that. Um, uh, so we're just about out of time. Uh, we would like to answer your questions about multiply as they come in. I know um, there's several questions out there. You kind of answered those about fasting and uh, what it means to have that personal encounter with God. Um, is there anything else you before we round this out? Anything else you'd like to add for the multiply part of this? Yeah, you know, I would just say um, this as we pray over a gift in response to what God has done. Second uh, Corinthians chapter eight and nine, Paul is talking with the church in Corinth. In chapter 9, we've chosen a few verses to put in actually a multiply material because he talks about God multiplying uh, the gift uh, and, and it also being something that we get to experience the joy of giving, so it's awesome. But he talks about giving as an act of grace uh, twice early in chapter 8. And he says, why do we give? We give for we know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, for our sake he became poor, so that we by his poverty might become rich. If you're a Christian, you might have grown up in a church that taught you to give in response to guilt 
like you, you, you're supposed to give because you should do this and shame on you because you haven't done this. Uh, that's not why we, that's not the, there, there is teaching on the Bible that we should give, but we don't give. The primary motive for giving is not guilt. Maybe you also grew up in a church, many have, that it was the other way around, whereas you give out of greed, that, that you give thinking, by my giving, I'm going to get more. Uh, and those teaching in the Bible around, hey, if we give, God is going to bless us. But I think the blessing is deeper than a financial blessing. Sometimes it comes back as financial. But he wants something deeper than a financial blessing. Uh, so, But the primary motive for giving is not greed. It's grace. It's grace. And so I, I love, as Paul and Jesus, I love in this passage, as Jesus is feeding the five, that like he wants something for his disciples, and that's the focus of this miracle, was not, there was people fed. He was trying to teach his disciples something. And so I do think for our church, uh, I, I said this on Sunday, as we go through this generosity initiative to try to fix us to steward an issue, if there's not money in the bank on the end of this, and we're closer to Christ, there's a win. Like he wants something for his disciples. If if we do have money in the bank and we're not closer to Christ, then we lose, right? Like he, his focus is on the heart of his disciples, and he's wanting to do something in us. So be motivated by grace. He loves you. He's given his life for you. There's nothing you can ever do to earn his favor. You have it through Christ. Respond to that. And again, we we... We hit the fasting part of this real quick, but if you are curious how you could start, and I would say if you didn't start with us um, the Last second, week, start or, now, start yeah. now and go. And if, if you've messed up along the way, keep going. That's right. Just keep going through um, and don't do it out of guilt. I know we yeah. talked about giving out of guilt, but That's the same right. thing, but you can get those resources again, firstmckinney.com slash multiply. It'll kind of walk you through some simple steps. And, and if you've never fasted, maybe start sim- with something simple, giving away, giving up caffeine or something along those way, along that way. Um, and, and we each have our own fast. There's some scripture out there too, that mm-hmm. we'd encourage you to study and, and let the Bible come alive in your life through that. Um, and then about the multiply firstmckinneycom slash multiply also lists all that. If you're around the campus, because you're here in McKinney, we'd love for you to pick up one of those brochures. It has an FAQ section that addresses some of these questions you might have a little deeper. And then uh, he talked about where uh, Andrew and I, when we first were going through this, he said he's jumping through Mark, and I know he's jumping into Mark because it's a fast-paced gospel, and we literally are walking through. It fits with our Bible reading plan, firstmckinney.com slash Bible. But join in. We will be in Mark 8. We kind of hit Mark 8 a little bit with the feeding because uh, it's in both passages of chapter 6 and chapter 8, but we'll be in Mark 8. He talked about that. Sam did. Uh, but you can uh, find out more, uh, share this podcast, like all the things I normally say, rate, review, yeah. all those kind of things. Uh, let us know you're listening. Someone even caught me this morning. at, at uh, I was dropping one of the kids off at school and said, we're listening to the podcast. Let Sam and I know um, because that's, that's the way we know to keep going with this uh, for sure as he takes my picture and makes me all nervous right now. <laughs> But uh, uh, we do, and we're very, very thankful for you listening. If you've got any fun questions, I love those too. So uh, I'll give you the last word, Sam, as we go. Again, sermonsfirstmckinney.com slash on demand and all that other stuff I told you. Rate, review, like, share, all those kind of things. Last word for you, sir. Jesus is the need meter, more than physical, spiritual. Let him be that for you today.
Thank you for joining us this week on Q&A at Deeper Dive. We hope you'll like, subscribe, and share this podcast along with others. You can submit your questions by texting question to 96123, and we'll discuss those each week. Again, thank you for joining us.